I want to bring a scripture this morning that is fundamental, so fundamentally simple, it's a stumbling block. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus' word authoritative? There's a murmur in the church. Is the word of Jesus, the words of Jesus, are they authoritative? Charles doesn't know. But are they the final authority? Yeah. Thank you, Charles. You have a good holiday. No? Okay. I'll do a pastoral afterwards on that one. You told a lie. You said you would be away for two Sundays. You've been away for three. But I'll forgive you. Bless you both. Is Jesus' words authoritative? You wouldn't convince me in a court of law. So when Paul teaches, he comes from the revelation of the words that he heard yeah. from Jesus Christ yeah. by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So me and Terry agree on that. Matthew, what do you think? Yes or no? Okay, that secures me. I'm carrying Cornwall with me today. So the words of Jesus Christ, I'm echoing a bit here, Lee. The words of Jesus Christ carry authority, the final authority. So my salvation is not based in the Apostle Paul or any of the other apostles. It's based in Jesus Christ. Because Chloe, he is the first and the last. He has the first word and the last word. So, let me read you then just a couple of words from Paul and then we'll come to Jesus. Then I'll take you to my text where I want to go this morning. Paul says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace. I know, it's booming a bit, isn't it? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have been justified. My brother, my very learned brother John, uh, was in his presence last week, and it's quite an honor to be in his presence. He's got less hair than me. He came out with this statement, which was, I thought, correct, very correct, great statement. He said this, unless you understand justification first, you'll never understand sanctification second. You've got to understand that you have been justified 
just as if I'd never sinned in Christ. And then sanctification follows justification. Too many Christians, when they're born again, immediately try to move into sanctification, the better way of living, the correct way of living, not understanding that they've already been justified. And so their foundation is weak, and they get blown around. Amen. Now, Jesus said this, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you. And as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that you may know that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Wow, that's powerful stuff. Now, let me come to my text this morning, picking up the last time I preached. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Now, who's the gift for? For God soul of the world, and the world is not the globe, it's people. And I said it, I think the last, I'll say it again, that I'll, John's going to do a, a series on the second coming and chat in the chapel in the, in, um, from October time onwards, I think it is, John, is it? September, end of September, end of this month, he'll start that. And uh, at some stage, if there's a break or John can't make it, I'm going to open up this again in a totally different direction about God so loving the world. Who are they? But that's another topic. So this gift, so for the Father gave a gift, and the gift was Jesus Christ. He is a gift to us. We who are born again, accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, are the gift that the Father gives to Jesus. He's given Jesus the gift. It's you and me. We're his gift. Okay. So, this verse is addressed for you. For you. Okay, we take this or usually take this verse and use it in an evangelical maybe meeting or effort to get people saved. It's actually meant for you and me. That's what this verse is. You can use it in the other sense, of course you can, or scripture. But it's actually for you and me, the scripture. It's, it's for the one who believes in Christ as their saviour. That's who this scripture is for. The one who believes that Jesus Christ came 
and died on a cross and rose again on the third day to forgive my sins. This is who it's for. God did not so love the world that any man or woman can come to him. In other words, unsaved people who refuse can't come to him. You've got to be drawn by the Holy Spirit. It is a spiritual rebirth, not a physical, obviously. Neither did he give his son to any man that should be saved who refuses to believe in him. Every unbeliever is excluded. Every believer is included. Whoever, soever, believes in him, that takes you and me into his presence. Whoever, God puts no limits on it, it's a whosoever message. The minute you accept him as your Lord and Savior, something changes big time. The youngest person here in this meeting, the youngest person watching online, Jesus says, I won't cast you away if you come to me. But Lord, he's put it off. He's messed around. He's, he's rejected for years, maybe. This person may have rejected for years your, your gift of salvation. Jesus said, if he comes to me, I will not turn him away. But Lord, after he came to you, he went on blaspheming. He went back to his old ways. Jesus says, he has come to me, I will not turn him away. Now that causes problems because we don't like that too much. People say to me, yeah, but look at the fruit of their lifestyle. They accepted Jesus. But look at the fruit. Jesus said, he came to me. I will not turn him away. Look at Peter. Before you formulate, and there are many other theories out there, before you formulate a theory, read the Bible. Yeah. If anyone should have been turned away, it should have been Peter. Following Jesus, full of zeal. And then that fateful evening with blasphemies, he rejected Jesus. He denied him as his Lord and Savior. But what did Jesus say to Peter before that event? He said words to this effect. When you return to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus didn't say, I cast you, I will cast you away because you denied me or are going to deny me. If you do, I will cast you away. He said, when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. You see, we're very judgmental. We're quick to point a finger 
at other Christians if they're not doing what we are doing? Well, actually, we're getting close to being Pharisees. The words of Jesus are stronger than my opinions. Your faith may be small. It might be as small as a grain of mustard seed. So small that you can hardly see it. And that's what it's like when you're first born again. Your faith is so small. It's, it's hard. The human eye would probably, if it could, was possible, could hardly see it. It's so small, minute. Yet Christ sees it. Yeah. That's what matters. The actions. Now let me tell you something. We got a Eloise. Give me a wave, Eloise. <laughs> she can't. She's a baby. She's a baby. She's been born into a, a family. Now the first time she messes up, you know what I mean by that. Do the parents say, I cast you out just because she's dirty, they're nappy? The first time, not the first time by now, the hundredth time by now that she's already kept them awake at night. Do they say to Eloise, I cast you away? She bears the name of that family. She carries the DNA of that family already. When you were born again, you had a new DNA. When you were just born again, you did stupid things. I did stupid things. But did Christ cast me away? No. No. No, sir. No. No. There's an implication here. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish. We like the next bit, but have everlasting life. But we glaze over, should not perish. You see, when you got saved, you became in Christ. We reverse it. We say Christ's in us. But actually, I'm in Christ. And if I am in Christ, I'm secure. This is what you've got to believe. Because if you don't believe it, you're going to be up there one minute and down there the next. You're going to feel today highly saved and tomorrow when something goes wrong in your life you're going to doubt your salvation it's not the way Kelly touched on it this morning it's not the way to live you have to nail it when I got saved I remember experiencing what I now know to be the enemy speaking to me. It won't last. Enjoy it while it's good. You'll get fed up with this. You know, it's, 
you've tried other things, you've tried different sports, you got fed up with them, you tried different hobbies, you got fed up that this Christianity, it won't last. It won't last. You won't see it through. You won't. You won't. You won't. It'll die. It'll die out. Now let me tell you something. Does everlasting life die? Can everlasting life die? As it wouldn't be everlasting life, would it? So that which Christ has put in you, he said, whoever believes in me will have everlasting life. He said, well, Lord, I can lose it. No, you can't. You're in Christ. I am in. I don't keep my salvation. I'm responsible to walk the life under the power of the Holy Spirit, but he keeps me. The enemy says, well, it won't be long. He'll return back to his old ways. Just give him space. Give him the right conditions, and I'll bring a few around. He'll revert back. Jesus says, he will never perish. He will never. Yes, he'll mess up. Yes, he'll get it wrong. But he'll never perish. Because I have given him everlasting yes. Yes. life. Amen. How can you lose something that's eternal? Now I know I'm stepping on some people's toes here this morning. Hope it hurts. I'm not trying to be offensive and I'm not trying to be argumentative. I believe what Jesus said. I believe it. He didn't say you can have eternal life providing clauses A, B, C, and D are kept. As Peter's out the window. Totally out the window. And as I said just now, he didn't say to Peter, you've blown it. Next time he meets Peter, he cooks him a meal. Barbie on the beach. Emma. Is that the sign of someone who's rejected? You upset me. You ain't coming to my Barbie. You should be glad because I can't cook Barbies. (laughs) But no. He feeds, not only Peter, all his disciples left him. They're out fishing, they come back in. Can you imagine standing there? I'm going to have a go at this bunch. You just wait till you get your boats in, boys. You just wait. I got some truth coming your way. You're in for a shock. No. That's not a word of criticism. 
There's just a restoring atmosphere that Jesus is back in fellowship again with his disciples because it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Yes, there has to be repentance, but it's not casting away. When Eloise, when she's 18, remember this bit at the moment, she can't chat to you back, all right? Enjoy it. For the next 18 months, two years, enjoy the silence, apart from the crying. When you get to 18, you wish you had cast them away. <laughs> Love them, they're part of the family. So, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you receive a life that cannot die. It cannot die. It's a new life. The body's going to die unless Jesus returns, but the life in you cannot die. And it doesn't matter how you respond to situations because God will deal with that on the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that bit in a minute. I'm not preaching a message that says you can live as you want to live. No, I'll deal with that bit in a minute. But neither is that a guillotine above my head. You see, I, I was taught Something very, very different. Don't sin. Now you're born again. Don't sin. Don't sin. And it was like an axe over my head. And I want to tell you, after a short period of time, I said, I am not living like this anymore. And I walked away. But Christ walked with me. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So when I walked away from him, he followed me because goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. When I am not appreciating, when I am not coming after Christ, I want to tell you, he's coming after me because he loves me. You receive a life that cannot die. A justification that cannot be disputed. An acceptance that will never cease in eternity. We have been accepted into Jesus Christ. So what is it to perish? Oh, to perish means to have no hope in Jesus. No trust in him. To have no light in my life at all. No peace in death. No joy. But more than all those, to perish means no union with the Father. Now those who perish are the ones who refuse to accept Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. It's not you. It's not you. You have eternal life. Now you will be disciplined. 
whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and chastises, the word says. So, the way you're preaching this morning, Rob, it sounds like I can just do anything I want in life and everything's going to be okay. That's not what I'm talking about. And that is the core reasoning behind the opposite view to everything I've just said. Is a fear of losing their salvation. Well, my salvation is eternal. Yeah. I'm mine. Yeah, I'm mine. That's two of us. I'm mine. I'm mine. Anybody else? Yeah, I'm me. I ain't right. Sounds good to me. You will be disciplined. Now, the discipline of God only kicks in when you're in rebellion to him. Whom the Lord loves, he chastises. So discipline is the proof that the Lord still loves you. And Paul goes on to say, no discipline seems pleasant. It's grievous. Now why do I need uh, discipline when I step out of line, when I fall away a little bit? I fall away, not Christ falling from me. And the discipline very often is missing that inner sense of his presence. He hasn't left me, but I lose that inner anointing, that inner assurance. It's not feelings, it's more than feelings. Because I can feel saved one day and not feel saved the next, and I'm the pastor. That's normal. That's my emotions. Isn't it? You're no different, are you? No, that doesn't prove that. My feelings don't prove that I'm saved. The word proves I am saved. Because the word is Jesus Christ. So the discipline is not in... I've told this story before. There's so many people here I haven't heard it. I'll go for it again. All right, Chris, you can switch off now. You chastised me the other Sunday. We've heard them all before, he said. Here comes another one. I just got married. And we were, Sunday morning, we weren't going to church then, we weren't following Jesus then, both of us. And I played football the day before on the Saturday afternoon. So Sunday morning, got up, went in the lounge and stretched out on, no, I went to the shop and bought the Sunday papers because I wanted to see the football results, the local football results and the national ones. Brought the papers back, and Wendy's out in the kitchen getting the dinner and all that sort of thing. So I'm in the, I'm in the lounge and stretched out on the settee. It's pleasant. It's lovely to be married. Life is wonderful. And suddenly I heard some doors slamming. What's going on? And I can hear Wendy thudding around a bit, and I thought, whoever's upset Wendy? I'm, gonna, I'm going out there and sort it. Someone must have come in the back door and upset her. So I put the papers down after about half an hour, rushed out, and there she was in the kitchen. She got this look on the face, which I hadn't seen on the day she got married. I said, what's the matter? Who's upset you? 
And she turned around and she said to me, if you think this is the pattern for the rest of our married life, you're in trouble. <laughs> I said, what have I done? If you think that you're going to read the newspapers every Sunday morning when we got, when we work in the rest of the week and there's housework to do and washing out, she said, you've another thing coming. I said, I get the message. Because I sensed at that moment, why it wasn't what she said that made me do something different. It was the fact that there was something in our union that had changed. And I felt that in here. And it was me. I'd done something, I was totally innocent, naive. I mean, I didn't understand this marriage thing. <laughs> she said to me, turn up at the church on a Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock, and I'll meet you there. So I did, and everybody else was there, and I was shaking people's hands, and then somebody at the... She said, come down the front with me. <laughs> Went down the front, and somebody said, say, I do, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> Our relationship at that moment, something wasn't quite right and that's what impacted me and it's like it with Jesus when I stop walk stop walking with him that I feel it in here he never stops walking with me but it impacts me. Now, the longer you're in the, the faith, the more you come to recognize that quicker. When you're a newborn Christian, you don't pick up on it right away. Well, I just, yeah, I went back and I did what I used to do, you know, and I stopped doing that. Sorry, Lord. It's about a relationship, yeah. a love relationship. Yeah. He loves me unconditionally. I, when he disciplines me, it's to bring me back to that love. That place where we can interact together. We can have fellowship with each other. An intercourse of love. Two ways. Not one way. I don't like it. And there's only one person I can blame. It's me. Because yeah. God says, I've given you eternal life. Yeah. My life is within you. Walk in it. Walk with me in it, he says. Sometimes I don't get it right. But he never casts me away. God gives every believer, every believer, eternal life. Not in dispute. You may be thinking, well, I don't know if I'm, you know, I I feel, no, no. The word says, should not perish, but have, not will get, eternal life 
have eternal life. From the moment Jesus Christ becomes your Lord and Savior, your DNA has changed. Your spiritual DNA has changed. You're born again from above. The process of sanctification is past, present, and future. It's ongoing. I've been sanctified. I'm being sanctified. And I will be finally, totally sanctified when I go to be with him. It's good news. It's good news. The minute you got saved, God lit the pilot light inside you. Now, working in the heating industry, they don't, they don't use pilot lights anymore today. It's all electronic ignition now. But I was brought up servicing boilers and what have you and gas flares and, and the pilot light. Most problems were caused by the pilot light. The pilot light gets lit. You push the button in, hold it in, click the clicker you used to. Don't do that anymore. Click the clicker. And then the pilot light comes away. But you've got to keep the button pressed in because the pilot light plays on an electrode. And it's the heat of the pilot light that, that, that the electrode's like a switch. And don't ask me how it works. I never worked that bit out. But that sends a signal back to the control box that everything's okay. And that can allow the main gas to come in. That opens the um, control box to let the main gas in. And that's where the fire goes, or the boiler goes, whoop. All right? Lit by the, again by the pilot light. When you got saved, God pushed your button, Kelly. And a spark occurred called the Holy Spirit within you. You didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was happening. But a spark, a heavenly spark, was set alight inside you. And no one can pop that spark out because the spark has come from heaven, not of this earth. It's called the Holy Spirit. And he lives in you. He's the living word. He takes the word and he makes it living within you. He becomes your teacher. The one who says to you, don't do that. But he never shouts. Do you know that? He just says, don't go to Moderna. You don't need that. You don't need that. But I want to do it. (laughs) You don't need that. You don't need that. But I'm going to do it. I want to do it. (laughs) I know what I want. I've done it before. I know I can control it. How deceived are we? 
How deceived are we? My heart is deceitfully wicked. That's why I can have a new heart. Holy Spirit says, you don't need to go down that road. Trust me. I want you to go that way. Yeah, but that way is more attractive. I'm looking at the two. I can see what you're saying. I can hear what you're saying. But actually, this voice over here is getting louder and louder. And all my mates and all my friends are encouraging me to. And it's only a one-off, God. And the Holy Spirit says, you will lose that union that you have. But the voice over here is louder now. And already I'm turning away. I haven't rejected Jesus. It's not about my salvation. It's just saying that I'm not going to be led by the Holy Spirit at this moment of time. I want some freedom. Holy Spirit keeps whispering until finally it is very difficult to hear his voice. But he's still there. He's still there. you say I don't feel alive anymore what's happened what's happened and then a Christian friend will come along and say you've got to come to church I go to church you know when you say that to somebody you're giving them the wrong message what you should be saying is you need to come back to Christ. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Because it's Christ who can enlarge that little pilot light again under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But I don't feel alive anymore. My salvation is not about something I feel. The feelings will come after. Don't rule out feelings. I love it when I feel saved. I love it when I can stand in front of you and feel safe. I'm not feeling that this morning. <laughs> no. My emotions are it's normal. I said it just now. It's normal. You cannot judge your spiritual life on your feelings. You judge it by the word. And the feelings, when you do that, when you bring every thought and image to the knowledge of God, you will feel different the feelings will follow we don't ignore feelings but we don't build our faith and our trust on feelings 
to say he deceives us. But the good thing about that is also a positive because I never felt like that before I got saved. Didn't care before. Didn't care about the things of God before. But when I'm not quite walking with Jesus, I do care. Again, proof that someone inside me called the Holy Spirit is trying to redirect my life back on track again. It's evidence. If you want evidence, there's your evidence. I don't like what I'm feeling at the moment. I don't like the way that I'm feeling not united with Christ as I did last month or yesterday or the day before. So what have I done? Well, it's the church. They don't sing the right songs. It's the preaching. I don't like the pastor. He was already at the beginning, but I don't like him now. Well, this is the way Christians talk. Look, if you don't like the pastor, don't take it up with the pastor. Take it up with Jesus, because he's appointed him for that church. It's the truth. He has put in the church apostles, pastors, teachers. Take it up with Jesus. Let me warn you, you lose. You haven't got to like the pastor, you've got to love the pastor. That's it. That's true. But also pastors have got to love the congregation. It's a two-way thing. Jesus said, I give my sheep. No, he didn't say that. He said, Jesus said, I give some of my sheep eternal life. Where's that to? Not some at all. I don't agree there, Pastor. But that's the way some theologians talk. Well, they don't know what to talk about. He said, I give my sheep eternal life. I can't live this Christian life if one minute I do one thing and I work this through. Supposing I did one thing that's not honorable before God and Jesus returned at that moment. That's what I was told. Don't you sin. Because at any moment, Jesus can come back. And if he comes back when you sin, you're out. Wow. No. 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 We might just as well join a monastery. <laughs> Trouble is, they sin in monasteries. I can't. That's not what Jesus said. That's no. not how Jesus... Look, listen, look at Peter. Yeah. Yeah. You see, people form theologies from passages of Scripture without looking at how Jesus deals with his own disciples. Yeah. They were a motley crew. Yeah. We'd have been at home with them. We're no different. We'd have been quite at home with them. Peter and Paul had a nose to nose. You know that, Chloe? 
Peter and the Apostle Paul had a fight. Do you know that? No. It's real. It's in the Word. They disagreed and they had a punch up. Come on, get real. This is life. They're no different to me. We see these guys, we see what they did under the anointing, and we put them so high up, we lose their humanity. I'm not justifying their humanity. What I'm saying is I'm human. And my humanity has to be impacted by the life of Christ in me. And the other thing I can't control is this. But praise God, there's only one person who can control this. It's the Holy Spirit. He can shut your mouth. He can tell you when to speak and what to speak. He can give you the right words when you need them and does give you the right words when you need them. Only the Holy Spirit can control this tongue. But my salvation is not based on my tongue. based on Jesus Christ I'm in him I'm untouchable only by God he's the only one that can touch me it's a fight of faith it's a real fight of faith you see if you don't understand this at this level how on earth are you going to do the things that Jesus said you can do in my name you will don't know if he's going to do it I don't know if I pray for that person. If something will happen, I don't know. I haven't got the confidence to go into it. It's because you don't understand you've got eternal life. Let me tell you something. You don't fear dying. You've got an appointed time on this earth. You've got a set number of days to live. And God's got that totally under control. So, does it matter what your neighbor thinks about you? To stop you sharing Jesus? Does it matter about your job? No. Your job's been given to you by the Lord. No, it ain't. I got the job. No, you didn't. God opened the door and you walked through. God gave you your job. Everything we have has been given to us. Everything. So if everything's been given to me, there has to be a supreme being who has more control over my life than I know. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? But if I don't understand, if I'm living worried about one minute being saved and one minute minute not being saved, I'm not going to live in the things that Jesus said. Am I going to go out and worry and do what he says and then something happens? can't live like that. It's not the way the disciples lived. They had total, in the, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, they had total faith in what Jesus said after Pentecost. You couldn't stop them. You can't kill. You can't kill the life, this life, this gift of God. You can't kill it. To kill it would be to kill God himself because it's come out of him. Yeah. And it's been given to you forever. 
Well, the gospel matches. It's the power of God unto the power of God unto salvation. It's His power that got you saved, not yourself. You didn't choose Jesus. You didn't choose Jesus, Emma. He chose you. He got you to respond. The Holy Spirit got you to respond because he put that spark of faith in you to respond. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Dead people can't respond. So the Holy Spirit puts that spark of faith in you to make you alive. You come alive for the first time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what is it? It's a life that will last forever. It's a life that beats the grave. Yes, amen. It's a life that is eternal now and will be eternal when he gives you a new body. Never to die again. It's the same life. It's a life that outshines the sun, S-U-N. It's a life that says the believer will not exist, but will live forever with the Lord. This natural life on this earth is existing. Yeah. Yeah. That's existing, trying to get through the day. One day, that's how unsaved people live. They're existing, but they're not alive. They're not spiritually alive. When you accept Jesus, you become spiritually alive. Yeah. You start to live. And I like this one then. As long as heaven exists, as long as heaven exists, I'm going to enjoy that life. How long is heaven going to exist for? How long? How long? How long? As long as it's getting a bit better. How long? As long as it exists. Eternity. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to live it. I'm going to live it because whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Have you got everlasting life? By accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can have eternal and have eternal life. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together.